What a sweet service we've had so far. Thank you for sharing, um, Kara, Toby. Thank you for sharing this morning, reminding us that Easter's still going on. Uh, resurrection stories are real. Uh, Shauna, thank you for sharing as well. His steadfast love. I love that. So I thought we would just finish up with a fish tale. Is that okay? Sid, Sid Kiesler is a pretty good fisherman, and he loves, he loves to teach people how to fish. But what I've noticed over the years is that he has a real knack for picture-taking. So everybody who catches a fish at the lake house has to have their picture taken with the fish that they caught. And what he does, he, he gets the person here, okay, and maybe Don has the camera and Don's aiming. And, and right before Don snaps the picture, Sid says, okay, now hold the fish way out like this. And if the camera is just right, it gets this humongous fish and then the person way behind it. So the fish might be this tall, but it looks this tall in the picture. You know what I mean? So tonight... We're going to look at a really big fish tail. I'd love for you to open your Bibles in front of you. If you have them on your phone, uh, turn to John chapter 21. We spent seven weeks before Easter talking about the great I am. And then we have had since Easter resurrection stories. Those are stories of how Jesus appeared to the disciples, to Mary. They didn't always recognize him. Mary thought he was a gardener. Um, Last week, Pastor Adam talked about doubting Thomas and how he just said, okay, I cannot believe this until I see your wounds, until I put my fingers in there. And to his surprise, Jesus goes, check it out. Put your finger right here. This is for real. This is for real. And we don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us if, if he actually did that. But what we do know is that he said, my Lord, my God, because he believed. I think sometimes I'm like a doubting Thomas. I need, I need proof. And, and yet Jesus always is there for me, filling me. I loved what um, Pastor Adam said last week about the risen Jesus, that the risen Jesus will surprise us in the midst of our struggle. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's kind of been the theme uh, so far in this service, and that Jesus surprises us, and that Jesus surprised his disciples. Okay, so now we're going to look at a fish story. I'm going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to comment about them, and then we'll we'll do that in three different sections. After, After this, he's talking about the resurrection. We're talking about what Adam preached about last week in chapter 20, where Jesus appeared to the disciples. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. 
Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So let's pause just a moment. Consider what the disciples had just been through. For three years, they had given up their family, their careers, everything that they had, and they followed Jesus. They were taught by him. They loved him. They went everywhere. But they were also there when Jesus was arrested. They witnessed that. They were eyewitnesses to the Romans coming and taking Jesus captive. They were witnesses to the sentencing of Jesus to the cross. They were there when he was beaten. They were there when he was tortured. They were there. They saw all of this. The Savior, the Lord that they loved, and they saw this. They saw him walk to the cross. They saw him crucified on the cross. They saw him dead. They saw him buried, and then they saw him resurrected. Wow. You talk about a whole lot to process, right? So what are the disciples doing going fishing? Eugene Peterson describes it like this. Maybe, maybe they were so overwhelmed with what they had had eyewitnessed. Maybe they couldn't quite process it. And so they look for something that becomes very, very familiar to them. And that was fishing. They knew how to fish. It had been their careers. They fished for a living. They fished to eat. They fished for their families. And so they were going back to something that was familiar, very common ground territory. Uh, For me, it is not fishing. For me, it's going out in my backyard because I can always hear my granny say, when you get down a little bit, go outside and get your fingers in the dirt, and it will always make you feel better. And granny was so right. So the backyard has become my sanctuary for going out and processing when I'm overwhelmed or when I'm depressed. And so we see the disciples going to that familiar territory that that they had lived before. The Sea of Galilee, it is absolutely beautiful. I've had the privilege of, of being there, standing there, gazing in the hills. It is such a beautiful setting. And I know that's why Jesus loved it. I mean, if you've been there, you understand. It's like, wow, this is awesome. This is like the Garden of Eden. And so the disciples get in this boat, and they go out in this beautiful lake, and they fish all night long. And Scripture tells us that they caught zero. Read with me verses 4 through 8. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. 
And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, and we know that disciple to be John. That's how he described himself, and he's the writer of this book. He, he said to Peter, it is the Lord. He's the first one who recognized him. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, get this, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but only about a hundred yards off. If you've ever been outside in the morning time, when dawn is breaking, you know what a beautiful sight it can be. As darkness starts getting a hint of light, as the sun starts rising and all the clouds turn kind of a pinkish color, can you imagine what the disciples had been through that night? Here they were overwhelmed, their minds, their emotions, and they sought fishing, something that was loved by all of them. But if you are a fisherman, you probably know the wait system, right? You go out and you wait and you wait and you wait. And these disciples were together in a boat and they had fished all night long. And it wasn't just throwing the rod and rolling it in. It was casting nets. And this was hard work because the nets were heavy and they would cast them out only to bring them in again, realize that there was nothing in them, cast them out again. Maybe we need to move the boat over there. Maybe I saw a fish over there. So they moved the boat, they cast out, they pull in, and they repeat over and over all night long. And they're hungry. And so you can imagine by morning time that they are really hungry, they are tired, they, they probably have a chill to them. They probably stink. And, and here they are about to just take it in and give up. And they notice this figure over in the daylight. This figure not that far away from them, but the figure of a man. And, and he's calling out to them. He's, he's calling them. He's making conversation with them. He says, did you catch any fish? No, not today. Well, you know what? Why don't you try casting on the other side of the boat and see what you come up with? Wow. I'm sure that they were like, okay, let's, let's appease this guy over here. We'll do one last cast. And I can only imagine how they were when they started kind of pulling the net in a little bit. And it was a little bit heavy, and they were like, okay, come on, I need a little extra help. And they pull it, and okay, it's caught on something. It's, it's caught on a stump. There's no way it can be this heavy and this hard. And as they continued to pull it in, I'm sure they got to the point where the net was, was surfacing a little bit, and all these fish started jumping. Can you imagine the adrenaline that went through them? What in the world? Wait a minute. 
who is that over there? Whoa, look at this. Okay, so they went from zero fish to 153 with one cast. Isn't that amazing? Now, what's really interesting about this is that they didn't need 153 fish. They only needed, there were seven of them all together in the boat. They only really needed seven. And if they were really hungry, maybe 14. Maybe if they wanted to take some to their friends and family, they, they would need maybe 25 or 30. But 153 fish was enough to feed an entire village. And I couldn't help but, as I was studying this, to think about John 10.10, where Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. And he doesn't stop there, but have it abundantly. You see, he knew what the disciples needed to have a hearty meal. He, he knew what they need. He need give them 14 to a pick. Maybe, hey, let's give them 21. That's really a nice life. But Jesus is like, no, we're off the charts. I'm going to give you life, and I'm going to give it to you abundantly, like you have never known it before. I love that about Jesus. Can I hear an Amen. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. So let's look at the the last section, which is verses 9 through 14. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place and fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although, there were, and although there were so many, the net was not even torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come on. I know you're tired. I know you've been fishing all night. You see, we talked about God meets us in our suffering. I know you're weary. Come on. Come on and have breakfast with me. And, and none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Man. The word of God for the people of God, and we all say, thanks be to God. All right, let's talk about this Peter. I love the idea that Peter jumped out of the boat instantly when he realized it was Jesus. He didn't wait to calculate, should I just wait? Or to, He impulsively jumped in, he grabbed his cloak, jumped in, and swam to Jesus. You remember the other time when he got out of the boat and walked on water? You know why? Because he wanted to be close to Jesus. He just couldn't get enough of Jesus. Now, we're talking about Peter, the impulsive disciple, the, the one that talked too much, the leader of the pack, the one that everybody... He must have had a lot of charisma, don't you think? And yet, you remember what he did when they came to arrest Jesus? He cut off the guard's ear? How is that Christ-like? 
Well, the answer is it's not. And, and do you remember when, when the rooster crowed? And Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. I don't know that man. And yet he loved him so much, but he failed him. And so don't you know that Peter, Peter wanted to get close to Jesus because he wanted to make up with Jesus. He, he wanted to be near him because he missed him. It was his absence. But look at what Jesus thought. Jesus wanted to redeem Peter. We just sang a song about redemption. You see, Jesus meets us in the middle of our our suffering, but he will bring us past that suffering into redemption. That's why a lot of times we, we, we say, Scripture tells us when you're in the middle of something that's really difficult, that's weighing you down, just... Continue to give thanks to God for who he is, and he will see you through. Go back to that John 10.10. Jesus wants you to have life, a good life, but he wants to give you the best of the best of the best. He wants to give you not 14 fish. He wants to give you 153 fish. He wants to redeem you. He is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of second chances, of third chances. And he comes here to these disciples, and he sees Peter. And I love what he says. Why don't you come on in and have breakfast with me? Isn't that sweet? I mean, what an invitation. And that it's not just for the disciples, It's for us. How many times have you fallen flat on your face and disappointed God? If I had a show of hand, we'd all be up, right? Because we've all been there, done that, because we live with the Spirit, but also we're the flesh, and sometimes we fail. But like Peter, I want to be like Peter because I want to be the first one out of the boat to run to Jesus to say, Lord, here I am. It's me. I love you so much. And I hear you. I hear you calling me. When, when Sid and I get ready to go on a long fishing outing, I want you to know what I take in the boat. I know we're going to be out there for hours, and that's probably not my thing. I do it because of him. So, first of all, I want to take my iPhone, right? Because I might have an emergency. One of the kids might need me. Somebody might need me. I need to take my cell phone. Not only that, but when I get bored and I'm sitting and I'm waiting for the fish, I can check Facebook. I can check on all of you on Facebook. I can see what you're posting. I can comment. Lynette, you and Jeremiah, I, I like that. But, but I, I, I want to take that. And not only that, but I'm going to take my headphones because I love music, and I've got these playlists on my phone. You probably wouldn't like any of it, but I've got that, and so I can occupy my time. 
I, I'm going to wear a hat to block the sun. I'm going to wear my sunglasses. I'm going to take a rain jacket just in case. And food, oh my goodness, I'm going to take food. I'm not going to be the disciple out all night long and be worrying about my tummy growling, right? So I'm going to make sure that I take chips and salsa. I'm going to make sure that I have some snacks, some chocolate for sure. Amy Khan. I'm going to make sure that I'm prepared. So here I am in the middle of the lake, in the boat, with my earplugs in. Earplugs? Earphones, right? And I'm listening to this music. I'm checking Facebook. And there's... There's this figure of a man on the shore, but I don't even see him because I'm so preoccupied with myself. And and he's calling to me. He's calling, hey, Kathy, why don't you come have breakfast with me? But I can't hear him, right? Because I've got all these distractions. I, I couldn't hear him if I tried because I was so self absorbed with what I needed that I forgot about him. You, you get the picture? You get the picture? Yeah. I, I look at your list, too, on what you take in the boat, and you're no better than I am, right? How do we create space for God? Because we read in Scripture over and over again that we need that space so that we can hear him, and so we can see him, right? I love to get on the internet and watch these coming home videos of soldiers who have been gone, and they come back, and the families, and especially the little kids, it just, I want to start crying right now, but the little kids will be in school and in assembly, and they haven't seen their mom or their dad for a year, and all of a sudden, I get cold chills. I'm just getting cold chills talking about it. And that soldier walks in, and that little kid is like, Mom, Dad! And he just tears out. Nothing can keep him away. And he runs, and he embraces his parents. I just love that. And, and I watch it until I just am sobbing, and I have to turn it off because I get really ugly when I cry. And I think that's what Peter was like. I think that if we are ready, if we are making that space for God to call me, to speak to me, if we do that, I can hear him when he calls me. I can see him as he works in my life. I love the idea that God can call us and we respond. I love that the disciples responded when he said, come on, have breakfast with me. I love stories, resurrection stories, the stories that happen after Easter because Jesus was resurrected. I truly believe that we need to preach to ourselves every single day, the, res- the risen Christ. Amen? And so I love your stories. And I've asked Amy 
Sinclair, if she will share one of her resurrection stories of how Jesus spoke and she listened. Well, I hope you all have good dinner plans because my story is about food, too. (laughs) So, um... So my resurrection story is about Easter and how I have celebrated Easter in the past and kind of how it's led up to this Easter. So in the last few years, um, Cameron and I have kind of built a life that has been basically just a big chaotic tizzy because we, for a while, we're both working full time, have three children And Easter's became this incredibly busy time. Of course, April, end of the year for teachers. It's, you know, incredibly chaotic. Um, Where I just realized every Easter was passing with little to no reflection about Jesus or, you know, what he did for us in dying on the cross and resurrecting. Um, They became very unfocused. It was just all about... Um, celebrating with our kids and getting the Easter baskets and having the big egg hunt and all of the wonderful American traditions that we enjoy when our kids are little. Um, But sometimes um, Resurrection Sunday would come and it would be like, oh gosh, did we even talk to the kids about Jesus? And okay, you guys know what Jesus did, right? He died on the cross for us. And then he rose from the dead. Check, we're done. Okay, we've celebrated Easter. And um, a lot of years would just come and go and I, you know, just honestly have to be truthful that I would barely think of Jesus outside of Sunday morning church. And so um, several, about a year ago, uh, God called us to take a step back, and we were really touched by Adam's sermon on creating margin. And it led God to call us to make a big move, which was to create space in our life. And um, so last Easter, um, around that time, God was moving in my heart to take a break from working as a teacher and move into a different direction with school counseling. So um, we fasted from, well, I did, from Facebook last year. Really suffered, y'all. Let me tell you, until I replaced it with Instagram and Pinterest, then I was okay. But I did do really good to read the um, N.T. Wright book, and, you know, was like, okay, good job, Amy. You're thinking more about Jesus. This Easter... Um, we got the second N.T. Wright book, and again, it was just, even though I'm not working, busy, 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 every neighborhood group, or as we call it, nay group, every nay group, how's the reading coming? And it was like, oh, oh, hit or miss, you know, I read here or there, and we got to the Saturday before Palm Sunday, and Pastor Kathy talked about um, suffering and how to really appreciate Easter and Jesus' sacrifice for us, we have to think of the week that led up to that, to really think about how Jesus suffered in that week leading up to the cross. And I started to feel a nudge from God saying, how have I suffered? Oh, well, I gave up Facebook. Remember God? That was a year ago. I really suffered. And, you know, I really thought, I rarely suffer. Um, I think life is too short, and I don't really like to say no to myself. So, I rarely suffer. And so I kind of just kept feeling this nudge. How could I suffer? How could I really relate to Jesus in the week leading up? I haven't really done much this Lent season. 
So what should I do, God? What, what would be a way for me to connect with you? And the first very clear word I heard was fasting. And I was like, what? Fasting? I don't really know much about that. Um, all I really know is that in the Bible, when people fast, they are either in mourning or they are seeking God in some way. Um, I know that it's often paired with praying a lot. And, of course, I know that it has to do with no food. And I don't like to say no to myself. So I wasn't so sure I wanted to do that. But it kept coming back to me when I was praying, fasting. So, you know, Saturday night, the next day is Palm Sunday. So as, you know, the house is quiet and I lay in bed, I was really like, okay, God, maybe... Maybe I get these really big ideas in my head and I get like really excited and fired up, but maybe, you know, this just needs to fizzle out. I don't know. I just don't know about that, God. And I really clearly heard, you need to start fasting for this week. And sometimes I, oh, that, maybe that was my voice and not God's voice, but it wasn't the answer I wanted to hear. So I know it wasn't my voice, that it was God's voice. And so I said, okay. And so the next day I woke up and I thought, it's Palm Sunday. If I'm going to do it, I need to start today. And so I started to research because I still wasn't 100% sold. And I started to research on how is it done and what are you allowed and what are you not. And um, I got onto this one uh, website that said that the human body can go 40 days without food. So I was like, okay, I can do this. I can miss a meal or two. Okay, this is not, this is not horrible. So that day I started, and, um, you know, and just praying, I felt God very clearly, just water, and you can eat after five. So I was like, okay, so basically breakfast, 11Zs, lunch, snacks, you know, I can, I can do this. And so honestly, I was really scared, but I just kept hearing the same answer. So I kind of was going through like the five stages of grief, you know, every day. I was like experiencing something new. So Monday, what do you think I thought about all day? food and eating and when's my next snack um but I had my you know came prepared with my glass of water and I told Cameron like if we can just have a good solid dinner plan I can do it um so Monday came and went was pretty hungry um Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday I really was okay I was really busy at work and um I I was okay I got hungry I just prayed and I was really praying for God, I know when the people in the Bible fasted, they kind of got like a big truth or this big, huge revelation. And I wasn't really hearing a really huge anything, but just a very simple, I'm enough. I'm enough for you. I'll sustain you. So every time I got hungry, I would just drink my water and I would pray and I would hear that over and over again. I'm enough for you. I will get you through. I'm all you need. Um, I had to be really careful not to replace, just like I replaced my social media with other social media, not to replace it just with busyness. You know, oh, if I'm just super busy, I won't think about it. Because, again, missing the point. So um, I thought, no, I need to think about this. This is a good thing to be reminded of every time. Thursday, I had kind of an awkward encounter with a boss who (laughs) heard my stomach growl. And uh, uh, it was just me and her in a room. And um, I said, she said, oh, are you hungry? Do you need to stop and go get something to eat? And I said, I kind of was like, do I say something? Do I not? And I said, I thought, this is maybe a good time to share with her because it's just me and her. And I don't know where she's at or if she's a believer or if she goes to church or anything. And so I said, um, no, it's okay. I'm fasting this week. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I think she thought there's something wrong. And I laughed and said, no, actually, it's a good thing. And I started to share why I was fasting and about Jesus and how I was trying to connect with him and his suffering that, you know, leading up to Easter. And she got really weirded out and, like, came up with an excuse and left the room. I was like, that's okay, because I shared. That was what I needed to do. Um, Friday, I was at home with just my kids, so I was really cranky and hungry all day. And then Saturday, y'all, I was just so excited, because I was like, Easter's coming, y'all. Easter's coming, and that means we get to celebrate. We get to have a really big lunch and a really nice breakfast, and I was just so excited. Um, It wasn't lost on me that throughout the whole week, this feeling I got, was the same as the feeling I got when I was 12, and my grandfather passed away in the Philippines. And we went to the Philippines to mourn him and celebrate his life. And y'all, Filipinos, as I'm sure many other cultures out there, bury their dead in a whole different way than Americans do. And so when we went, and I was 12, it was this long, week-long process. Everybody wore black every day. Um, The dead is in the house, like in the casket. Visitors come in and out at all hours of the night. Um, Someone's always there watching, you know, to make sure that um, the dead has someone to be with. And so people just in and out. And by the week's end, I was like, Mom, when is the funeral? <laughs> like we have been mourning him and thinking about him and talking about him and sharing stories. And it was a great thing, but also it was just this very long process of suffering and mourning. And it ended up being about a week. And by the time the funeral came, everyone was so joyous to have honored my grandfather and to put him to rest and to feel closure. You know, that's how I felt on Easter Sunday. I just felt, um, like, I had been able to connect with Jesus in a way that I hadn't before. And, um, sorry, that I could honor my God for the suffering that he did for me. And that I could celebrate and be so thankful that we serve a living God. And I never got some huge answer, but really, these simple truths are huge. And they will for the rest of my life, that God is enough for us that he sustains us through anything, that all we need is him. Thank you. I love the idea that God spoke and she heard him. Don't you love that? And I love the idea that that God invites us. He never makes us choose him. He invites us. And so with that, the challenge is, are you listening? Are you making space for God to be able to talk to you, instruct you, to love on you? Can you see him? Can you see him on the shore inviting you? Come have breakfast with me. Please take these words with you. Jesus, resurrected and restored, comforts a weeping woman, speaks with travelers on a journey, meets with his faithful friends, and they bow down before Christ alive. May the living Christ speak to you and transform you. May his love endure forever. Amen. Now go in peace. 
love is set you free.